0: Do we have the scriptures up? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Alright, let's stand. We're going to get right into our scriptures. We're going to read five different uh, passages of scripture. I don't say passages, actually. They're just verses. We're going to read five different verses. Let's read together. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. They wait, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Be patient, therefore, brothers. Until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it brings life. I thank you that it transforms us. I pray, Lord, today that my words would fall to the ground and your words would stay and change us for eternity. Let hearts be pliable today as we wait on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have any of you ever been frustrated in your life? Have your spouses ever been frustrated with you in their lives? Have you ever lost your patience? There are three specific situations in which I can really lose my patience and get visibly frustrated. Allow me to be transparent with you for just a moment, just being honest. The first would be waiting in long grocery lines. When clearly there are 15 other registers that could be open and I'm waiting in a line of 10 or more people. That's a moment of frustration in my life. Or perhaps waiting at a dentist or a doctor's office and I'm the only one in the waiting room and an hour later I get called in to be seen. That would be a moment of frustration. And finally for me it's waiting in traffic when people slam on their brakes just because they thought that they saw a cop. See, the speed limit works two ways. okay? There is a limit to what your speed's supposed to be, but there also should be a limit to how slow you can go. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. These would be moments in my life where I tend to get frustrated and I might lose my cool. Now, I know you perfect people don't ever experience those types of situations, but for me, I kind of get in those situations and I can be visibly frustrated. There are three specific places and situations that God tends to want to speak to me and have meaningful dialogue with me. And those places tend to be the grocery store, <laughs> doctor's offices, and in my car waiting, for tra- waiting on traffic. And doesn't it just seem to reason that God would want to speak to me in the moments when I just seem to be the most agitated or frustrated? Has that ever happened to you? The common denominator in all three of these situations is that there's a period of wait. And as I was preparing for today's message, I was asking the Lord what He wanted me to speak on... And I guess it was about two months ago in worship when we did the song, I'm uh, Waiting Here for You. And uh, in our time of worship and during that particular song, I felt his presence come over me as I was lifting my hands and singing the, the lyric that goes, I'm waiting here for you with my hands lifted high. And as I was under what I feel, the heavy of the Lord, and I'm just singing that song, a sincere, huge conviction came over my life. And I basically heard the Lord say, "My, how how have the tables changed? How the tables have turned!" And I looked at him and I said, "What do you mean?" And it was as if the Lord was saying, "For once, you're waiting on me, and it's not the other way around." How many in our life? How many of you in your lives have ever made God wait on you? Again, being the perfect people you are, uh, that's not my case. And so the Lord just convicted me in that moment and he said, it's supposed to be where, he's, where I'm waiting on him. And so I started to explore a little bit about the wait and started to discover some things. And as I began to do that, uh, the Lord uh, began to reveal to me the value and the importance of the seasons in our lives called the wait. I believe that our lives are often uh, comprised of various seasons. In fact, I don't know that you are ever not in a season. You are in a season right now. Some of you are in different seasons than others, but we are all experiencing some type of different season in our life. And all too often, we desire so much to be in our next season or experience or the next move of God That we avoid or absolutely miss the significance of the waiting period before we arrive. It's in the time of the wait that we really see the hand of God move, but there's a problem here. We have a bit of friction in this process because while we desire and want to see God move, and we want to see Him show up in the miraculous, we don't have any desire to wait. I think there's a misperception among Christians that maturing and getting closer to God is wrapped up in titles, achievements, and most of all, experiences. We're so so often consumed by the desire to be exposed to the next God experience that we forego and overlook the training and the equipping needing to be successful in the next level. You know what? God is doing incredible things every single day. He is constantly at work in your life to make you, what, more and more successful? No. To make you more and more, to be able to achieve more? No. So that you could own more? No. His desire is to make you more and more like him. And he's working every single day in our lives to try to make that goal happen. And I believe that the majority of that work it's cultivated happens during the time called the Wait. Sometimes we get into this mindset of thinking that our ultimate objective in life is to make it to the next level. We're supposed to attain, acquire, build, own, achieve. And once we've figured out and set those goals, we go to God and we say, God, now make this happen. I've got my list. I've got my my checklist of the things that I want to see you do, God. I've got my goals, my desires. This is what I want to do. Now make it happen. Then we work hard, and we justify our time and our energy by saying this must be God's will because he's going to give me the desire of my heart. And when things seem to go downhill or seem not to be going white, we either either get mad at God or we say, you know, that devil, he's out to kill and steal and destroy. No weapon formed against me will prosper. When all along, God was never consulted to begin with. And what you thought God was in the middle of, he's actually standing by just waiting for you to decide to involve him on the front end. How much time have I wasted in my life trying to plow the ground myself, going forward just to see that God's been back here waiting for me? Because see, here's the thing. Now, God can do anything, and he can cover a lot of time that's been wasted with grace. He can't do that. But for me, it's not really worked out that way. For me, God stops right here, and if I take off without him, He's going to let me go and go and go and go and go until I'm just out in the middle of nowhere and then I discover I'm by myself and when I call on him, I know there's something that says God will meet you where you are, but he says, nobody, get back here. We're going to start right where we left off and then we're going to take the step together because there's too much value in what you've missed here for me to be able to take you to your next thing. And so our eyes need to be fixed on Him at all times, during all seasons, and especially the ones that we don't really like, because if His ultimate desire and goal is to make us more and more like Him, anybody there yet? Anybody looking like Him yet? I'm far away from it. And let me tell you, if that's His desire, I've got some, a whole lot of ugly to look at when I look in the mirror. Look at your neighbor and say, a whole lot of ugly. See, sometimes God's going to reveal to you the very next thing that he wants you to do, but it doesn't mean it's the timing for you to actually step into that thing. There is an equipping process. There is a, there is a time period where he wants to cultivate something in you so that you can be successful and operate in the full, his fullness while in that next level. I came to the church about 1997, 1998. 97, in about 2000, I went with Pastor Wayne and Wham to a conference called Prophetic Music and Arts Conference. And while I was there, we were getting down with our bad selves and worship. And uh, I was uh, I was dancing. I was part of Praise and Motion at the time, and we were just really it was it was a it was a fantastic service. And I was dancing and whatnot. And this couple comes up to me, um, just just as sweet as can be. But they came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder, and we said, "We love how you dance and worship. You need to come be our youth pastor." Prior to being prior to going to PMAC, I knew that God had a calling. A ministry in my life. And I didn't know where it was or what, what I was to do, but I knew that I, 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 I was going to be in ministry someday. I knew that that's where God was equipping me. So obviously, this must be from the Lord. Because I was dancing in worship, and these people came out and said, you should be our youth pastors. I had no idea who they were or what church they went to, but I'm supposed to be their youth pastor because that's what they said. And God wouldn't send me all the way to Atlanta if it wasn't Him, you know? It wouldn't be in the middle of this service. That would, so... I actually bought into the thing that I'm supposed. I didn't even. I don't even think I remember. I got the address of the church. Didn't ask him any questions. I was just gonna. Oh sure, that sounds great. So on on um, Labor Day weekend, I took a trip with some friends, and we went to South Carolina, and I spoke at their church. Now I'm just out of high school. Okay, I spoke at their church, and they gave me like a 10-15 minute window on that Sunday morning, and I spoke, and, and I don't remember what I spoke on, but my friend a couple years later let me see a video of me preaching. I have no idea what I was speaking on, the point of the message. All I know is that between every line, the whole church stood up and said, Amen! Amen! Hallelujah! And it just just fed me, so I kept going. I was messing up scripture. I was doing all types of crazy stuff. I don't know what I was thinking. But I felt good doing it because the people made me feel good. And this must be God's calling, and it must be where I'm supposed to be. So I come here, and I meet with Wayne, and I meet with uh, Ronnie, and I tell them, hey, I'm going to go be this youth pastor out in, uh, in South Carolina. And they're basically looking, making a long conversation short, basically looking at me saying, no, you're not. <laughs> you, you are not. You are not at all ready. And obviously, I got frustrated and angry in the situation because God called me to walk in, uh, to be in ministry, and this obviously had to be from the Lord. But here was the thing, thank, praise God I had enough sense to listen to Wayne and Ronnie. <laughs> because I knew that they loved me, and they had, I'd been walking some time with them, and they were investing in my life. And, and to place more stock on people that God has surrounded you with and you have a relationship with is so important. And so they were speaking my life and they were like, no, they could see real quick that they were protecting me from um, unforeseen destruction. See, I had to convince myself that I was supposed to go be that youth pastor of that church. But you know what? If God is in the middle of something, he'll do the convincing. Here you go. Here you go. I wasn't ready. I wasn't equipped. It wasn't time. I needed more time in the wait. What if the entire purpose of your existence was wrapped up in the roads that led you to your next level? I see it like this. If your life is an interstate and you're traveling down that interstate, your destination is Jesus Christ. And if your destination is Jesus Christ, then your successes and your victories in the Lord are exits on that interstate. Now, exits are not a bad thing unless you stay there too long. You can have a major victory in the Lord and be miles away from your destination. Exits provide a time of refreshing, a time of rest, a time to prepare and be on your way. Sometimes we love the exit so much that we kind of camp out there. We like the experience so much that we feel like we've kind of landed. But that isn't your destination. Your destination is Jesus Christ, not that title, not that award, not that victory, and not even that experience. I believe that the time between exit to exit to exit, I believe that time, that season there is called the wait. Because we are waiting for God to show up and to reveal himself and to do something that builds upon our life to get us closer and closer to him. Are you with me? So let's look at our scriptures from today. Psalm 24, I'm sorry, Psalm uh, 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If the Lord gave me that scripture to impart to someone, it would, it would stand to reason that the person needing to hear this scripture would be someone who wasn't of good courage. It would stand to reason that this person might be feeling some discouragement. Would you agree? He will strengthen your heart. If I'm having to tell you, hey, God will strengthen your heart, you might be experiencing a little period of weakness, yeah? Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, semicolon, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord as a posture. Patience takes effort. So it would stand to reason that perhaps that person saying, I'm waiting patiently on the Lord, might have opportunity to grow impatient. And then he inclined and heard my cry would say to me that that person maybe had a reason to need to cry out to God. Are you following me? Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that mount mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Well, if you need your strength renewed, it would stand. Uh, if you need your strength renewed, it would stand to reason that you're probably in an area of weakness. If you need to mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary, maybe there's some weariness going on. Let's go back to the interstate example. The closer you get to your destination, which is Jesus Christ, the more you become like Him. And I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of traveling to do. I've got a lot of distance to cover. And you better believe that as I get closer and closer, He's going to uncover things in the process that makes you more and more like Him. And some of these are going to be moments of discouragement, moments of weakness, moments of impatience, moments of needing to cry out, moments of weariness, moments of brokenness and pain. And as you wait on the Lord, He'll provide the victory exit. He'll provide the victory healing, the exit of healing, the exit of strength. And once you're refreshed, you'll get right back on the interstate to becoming more and more like him and reaching your destination. We have to obey God in the middle of the wait in order to experience the breakthrough of victory that we desire or need. Obeying God in the wait means that regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to choose to honor and do what he says despite the outcome or what it might cost me. This is proactively walking out our faith, but what we do on some sort, what we do is wait on some sort of experience, be it ours or somebody else's, and then we choose to obey God. You know how easy it is to obey God when you know the outcome. Have you ever been asked to obey God not knowing the outcome? Are you faithful in that moment? Let's look at some uh, some significant figures in the Bible. Put up that first picture. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the waiting period. We're going to look at the obedience in the waiting period, and then we're going to look at the victory that happened. This is Abraham and Isaac. The waiting period. The waiting period, I believe, was from when God said, Sacrifice your son to the lifting of the knife. That would be the waiting period. I'm waiting on you, God, as I'm traveling up here. I'm believing you, Lord, that you said that you'll provide the sacrifice. The obedience. He actually got up, climbed the mountain. He actually tied his son Isaac up, and he actually lifted the knife. He could have at any moment turned away and said, we've got to find the sacrifice. What's this? But he did exactly what he was supposed to do. That was obedience. The victory? The victory was God provided the sacrifice. The victory was that he provided the sacrifice. Let's go to the next one. The wait for the Israelites getting to the Red Sea. The wait period, exile from Egypt to the Red Sea. God, we trust that you're going to deliver us, but yet Pharaoh's on our tail. Moses is standing there. What am I going to do now? God says, take your stick and put it in the water and I'm going to split the sea. Do you know how absurd that is? Take your stick and put it in water and I'm going to split the sea. But by faith, he obeyed. He took that stick, he put it in the sea, the waters parted. The victory came when they went through and the waters crashed over and Pharaoh was defeated. Next, in, Daniel and the lion's Then The weight... From the decree not to pray to any man or gods other than the king to the lion's den. At any moment, Daniel could have said, I'll stop praying to you, God. But no, he continued to pray. He was obedient in that. And because of his obedience, the deliverance came. The victory was safety in the lion's den and death of the government officials who tricked the king. Next, Jonah in the well. From the commission to go to Nineveh to the belly of the fish. His obedience came when he recognized in the middle of the fish that God had saved him. And he said and decided in his heart, I'm going to be obedient to what you've asked me to do, God. And so his life was spared, and Nineveh changed. That was the victory. Next Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The weight from being asked to bow down to foreign gods to the fiery furnace. That was the season of the weight. The obedience was refusal to bow down despite the penalty. And what I love what Scripture says about these guys is it says, to the, they say to the king, we believe our God is going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I will ne- we will never bow down to you or any other God. So they go into the fire and God honored them, met them in the fiery furnace, and the victory is, is that they had have, they have life and they were able to be spared. Next, what about Jesus You think Jesus experienced times of wait? From birth to the cross. During the wait, was he obedient? You better bet you he was obedient every single moment, every single day, obedient, obedient, saying, Father God, what would you have me do today? Fully man, fully God, looking to his Father, saying, Father, what is the objective? What is the goal? I don't do anything unless I see you doing it, Father God. Obedient, yes, victory, resurrection from the dead. And so that we could have a resurrected life as well. I don't believe that God is as interested in or places as much value on the big, showy, miraculous stuff as we do. That sticking the stick in the water and parting it for God is nothing but a thing. But to us, we are in all of that. And it does encourage our faith when we see those big things. But let me tell you something. You want to mature your faith and become more and more like Him. It's in those small things. It's in the small steps. It's in that uncovering. It's not in the big miraculous miracles that you see. Those are just experiences on this highway to becoming more and more like Him. If God, if God, was, if God was about big miracles... And about big showy things, you better bet he would not be born in a stable barn among animals. And use ordinary people to accomplish his purposes. James 5, 7 and 8 says this. Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the earthly and the late rains. You also be patient Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And while we're waiting for the Lord to move in small victories individually, are we not all participating in a weight of our King, Jesus Christ, splitting that sky and coming back to resurrect those who have gone before and to take us that still live to be with him. Is that not who we're waiting on? Is that not our purpose? And let me tell you, when he comes and does does that, that will be the time when the wait is over. Amen. Amen? Amen. Would the band come? Listen, God is real. God is alive. He is active. He is breathing. He wants to do mega mighty things in your life. And the top of that list is to grow you and mature you to be more and more like Him. What is your posture in the season of the wait? Do you have time to wait on the Lord? Or are you like me, so busy that when I get under the heavy of the Lord, God God says, well, finally, let's let the tables turn and you wait on me sometimes. Are you wallowing so far over here thinking that you're really working so hard and toiling toward God's purpose, but God's not even in the middle of it? Are you waiting on the Lord this morning? Are you recognizing the season of wait in your life? Is he just your go-to God when things are going awry? Where's your passion? Where's your zeal? Have you lost your strength? Wait on the Lord. He's the renewer of strength. Do you need deliverance? Wait for the Lord. He is the deliverer.
1: Do you feel abandoned
0: or alone? He is the Lord your God. and He will never leave you, He'll never forsake you. This is sad, but I feel, and I've been in this place before, but I feel that there are people in this room that have lost their desire to see him move. Where's your expectation? Do you know he's the author of all creation? He's the author of everything. Are you desperate for him this morning? Would you stand with me? I remember... I remember being in the delivery room when we were about to have Hadassah. And after nine months of anticipation, the event, the experience was about to take place. And I remember being in that room, and my wife was going through excruciating pain. I can't even imagine what that pain is like. I'm not a woman. But to be there with my wife, trying to hold her up as she's pushing down on me and screaming for all dear life, you better believe I had to put my hope in what was to come in order to make it through. We have to put our hope into what is to come in order to make it through. And let me tell you something, despite the pain and the agony and and all the suffering that was encompassed in those 24 hours, when my little baby girl took her first breath, when everyone's ears were privy for the very first time with her sound coming from her mouth and the cry, you better believe every single thing we went through was worth it. And we wouldn't change a thing about it. And I guarantee you, when you've reached the exit of victory, when you've reached that next experience, that next level, you better believe it's going to be better and bigger than any of the pain or sorrow or suffering you had to go through in the wait. He is a gracious, good God who loves you and wants to see you completely full of everything, purpose, that He's put inside you. I believe that there are three types of people that, that are in this place today. And if this is one of you, I want you to come fill the altar space. I don't want you to wait. I want you to come now okay first group of people is this you've gotten to a place that you stopped pressing in and you've grown complacent and content where you are everything seems to be routine and the same every day it's over and over and over again you've forgotten your purpose and your destination today God wants to reveal himself to you and remind you about his love if that's you you come down right now second group of people You've been hitting exits over and over and over again. You're familiar with the experience. You're familiar with the experience after experience, but you have been chasing after experiences rather than chasing after God. You want all of God, but you haven't been willing to give yourself all to Him. Today is a day of surrender for you. If you need to surrender to God, you come down right now and don't hesitate. And finally, you know all about the weight, third group, You know all about the weight. In fact, you spent months, perhaps years, on your knees crying before God, trusting His faithfulness, but you have not seen the victory. You need strength this morning. You are weak, you are weary, and you are crying out to Him. If you need strength renewed this morning, you come down right now and allow God to just minister you and remind you that He is God. We're going to sing this song this morning. If you're in one of those three groups, I believe God has something real incredible for you this morning. If you'll come down, if you'll wait on Him, He'll do mighty works in you. Would I could I have some prayer words come behind these people?
1: Let's sing. If they the mountains, let the mountains. Fall.
0: possible you should rejoice in the weight where he has you because let me tell you something brothers and sisters our destination is jesus christ and that destination is glorious it's glorious our focus should be on him our life should be about him and even through pruning seasons, even in seasons whenever he wants to heal when he, when he needs to break some things off of us it's just to make us more and more like him because guess what? You have a job to do and your job is to point people to Jesus Christ and you're going to do it more so not from here but the way you live and the way you act and the way that you the way that you go and you're not going to get it from experience to experience to experience it you're going to get it in those periods of the weight those moments of frustration those moments of hardship those moments of hurting and things like that and for those of you that are down here say i have not seen god i need i need to see him show up in this area i've been pursuing him you keep pressing in because i believe god is faithful i believe god is faithful and he's not forgotten about you He's got something for you. You just reach out and grab it. Believe in for him because He's faithful. He is faithful. Continue to be faithful. Would you raise your hand and let me give you a blessing this morning? May the author and the finisher of our faith, may the God of all creation and the Lord who created the weight grace us and carry us through times when it doesn't feel good, when it hurts so that we can press into Him. To get to our next level, our next thing. And let us reach our destination boldly, knowing, God, you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. You are our strength. You are our deliverer. You are our healer. Carry us through this, God. And we wait till you split the sky and your glory is revealed to all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Be
1: blessed.